G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Wherever you are right around Australia, you're probably in a community where you have a local government and you've got a mayor and there are councillors. And as you know, we often talk about issues at a federal level where we're going to come down to some local levels of leadership in our communities today. It's significant the way that our local councils are so often enthusiastic to ensure that their communities are healthy places for families to flourish. In fact, so many that are elected to local government have a deep passion for what they believe will create a flourishing community. In earlier days, people would describe local councils with the idea that they only look after roads, rates and rubbish. But our councils do so much more in town planning, in food safety, buildings, parks, the sporting fields that our children are playing on, the swimming pools that they're swimming in and the increasing number of community services. And it's the case that local councils frequently want to work in a complementary way with the good work of churches. Councils are interested in the bigger dimensions of well-being, often in the care for the homeless and the vulnerable. And what about school chaplains? Well, our special guest today is Councillor Karen Williams. She's the Mayor of the Redlands City Council in Queensland, who's been good enough to include us in a very busy schedule that she runs to discuss shaping a community culture. Uh, Mayor Karen Williams, a special welcome along to 2020. Hello and good uh, good morning. <laughs> it's great to it have you with us. Good morning to your listeners. Wonderful to have you with us in the studio. And uh, let's just get a little in a nutshell picture of Mayor Karen Williams. Uh, you were elected back in 2004 as a councillor in the Redlands City Council. And then it wasn't too long before the opportunity came and you put your hand up and said, I think I'd like to be the mayor of this city. Uh, take us back to those sorts of aspirations that you had. Oh, look, uh, having been born um, in what was then the Redland Shire uh, and grown up in a very tight-knit community, I guess we came from a sort of a farming community mentality uh, where we all took care of each other. Uh, and I guess in 2004, uh, I felt the need to be able to contribute something back to my community and... and uh, Having been born in Kapalabar at the time, uh, came Alexandra Hills during my lifetime. Um, that was sort of the first place for me to start where I could give back. And, you know, through organisations that I'd been involved with, whether it was local festivals or the Meals on Wheels, um, you just thought there is a great reward um, in giving back to your community, whether it's through volunteering or through civic leadership or any type of leadership. So, uh, yeah, and I guess um, in 2012, it was more a case of, well, um, I feel that I've got what it takes to take the city to the next, you know, to the next stage of its maturity. And here I am. And uh, it's been a very interesting journey. Um, obviously, like any leadership position, it has its challenges. Um, but certainly, you know, my, my faith um, gets me through those challenges um, and certainly opens up those opportunities for me to leave a lasting legacy for us, for our city. We're going to get into this, having a Christian faith and taking on the role at a 
leadership level in a local authority because uh, in all of my experience when I've reported on councils over the years, uh, it's a rough and tumble situation that you find yourself in. Uh, to be the leader of a local government authority, uh, you can't just be someone who's a shrinking violet. Uh, I suspect you've got a, a, a backbone that really can handle any situation. Uh, have you had a, a lot of sort of controversies that you've, uh, you've had to really uh, rely on, as you say, relying your faith to get through the day? But over the years, no doubt, many a time like that. Oh, look, no doubt. Um, and every day in different ways, um, we're challenged. We're challenged on our decisions. Uh, we're challenged on our beliefs, um, our Christian values. Uh, and, and I guess over that period of time, my, my skin has thickened and, um, you know, I've broad shoulders. Uh, and you, you learn to focus on the things that are really important and having a vision and st- sticking with that vision and then achieving that vision through the values that have been instilled through whether your own family values or your Christian values that give you the strength to continue. So, you know, local government's not been um, the most pleasant environment in recent times, uh, particularly in Queensland. Uh, uh, so you've really got to rise above all of that and demonstrate that your, your commitment and passion to your local area um, goes above all else that you do in your life. I want to ask you, as we lay a foundation for a conversation today that will include listeners all over Australia when they're thinking about their local government community, but is there something special about what's happening in southeast Queensland right now? Because here you are, the mayor of the Redlands City, and for people who are wondering about the geography, if you think of Brisbane heading south along the coast, there's this wonderful city community, Redlands, tucked in between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. And as I reflect on the local government leadership in these uh, these local authorities, you've got on the Gold Coast the mayor, Tom Tate, who was my guest a couple of years ago and uh, openly confessing his faith in Christ to the point where he was baptised at a public event, full immersion baptism uh, in a, a uh, in a, like a, a small lake on the Gold Coast, uh, with hundreds of people around, and just wanting to declare his faith so publicly. And just recently, the election or the uh, the appointment of the Brisbane Lord Mayor. Adrian Schrinner, who's a Christian man and who has, in fact, been through uh, Bible college. Uh, here you are in southeast Queensland. Uh, is there something in the water? What's <laughs> happening with the faith of uh, leaders in local government authorities? Well, I think, uh, you know, I, I can't speak for all mayors in southeast Queensland, but um, certainly knowing um, these people and, and other mayors across the region, um, we all want to, we all. We all want to do the best for our city, and those Christian values come to the front. We and we we celebrate them in different ways. Um, so look, maybe we are special in southeast Queensland. We certainly are the fastest growing region in the country. Um, and you know, to get through all of those challenges of growth, I think those Christian values will come in very very handy. And the and the faith to to drive this region forward. And and obviously. Um, Councillor Schrinner in, in Brisbane City Council is, is about to be, challenge, be challenging the, the election in 2020. So um, I'm, I'm quite confident that those values will see him through. Uh, you say the election in 2020 and uh, not all government, local government elections around the country are all uh, synchronised, but in Queensland next year, March, there will be an, uh, an a local government election. Uh, you'll be up for election. And, uh, of course, there's an interesting little aside to bring in here because, as you know, 
there was something at a federal level uh, that were people were mm. describing, the Prime Minister described it as actually quite miraculous uh, that the uh, Liberal National Coalition were returned to government. And, of course, we have a Christian Prime Minister, uh, a fabulous thing uh, like that. But I did hear a reflection from someone on the left side, uh, the uh, on the Labor side, who were reflecting that, uh, somehow or other they had to do something because Christians were moving in droves to be part of pre-selection committees to get into politics. Now, we're talking, uh, when we talk about politics, you know, federal level, state level, local level, is there something that you might have noticed? Is there something that you would encourage for Christians to get involved in politics at a local level so that the values that people bring to the table are in fact influential in their community? Yeah, well, that's a really interesting, um, I guess, conversation because, I mean, our constitution, our Commonwealth constitution is based on Christian values. Um, and for people to want to pull that apart, um, you've got to go back a long, long way. And I, I, I you know, look, we work in a, a sort of multicultural, um, uh, a very diverse, you know, nation these days. Um, and I'd hate to try to differentiate between um, leaders being better if they're Christian or not. Um, I would think that Christian leaders will, by just their sheer influence and their sheer leadership, will encourage people to understand that we can we can actually uh, lead and leave legacies based on the fact that you know we want to we want to be good to to mankind and and we want to leave that legacy and we want to make sure that we live by the Ten Commandments. Um, and so I don't, you know, I, I, I get very worried that we start to differentiate. Look, in my council, for example, um, we open up every regulatory meeting, our general meeting, with a devotional segment. We have a minister's fellowship. Uh, we have a great sense of community in Redlands. And I get challenged on that. Um, but as a leader, I make that choice. And hopefully uh, others around the region the nation will see that the message in the Bible is for all to uphold. It's for all to live their life by. Whether you want to have it, you know, articulated as being Christian or not, those that's why we can survive together as a human race. That's my view. I think that there will be people listening to our conversation today absolutely inspired that as the mayor of a city council, you have a devotion that opens up your council meetings. And a lot, a lot of people will say, well, uh, the federal parliament opens with prayer. Uh, oftentimes that happens in state levels uh, and at community levels, at local level, this often happens. And uh, I don't know how you work it in Redlands, but uh, sometimes there's uh, a rotation of ministers who come through and they'll lead prayer or they'll lead a devotion before the opening of council sessions. Uh, does this happen in Redlands? It certainly does, and we do have that rotation. And can I say that I'm often astounded by how God talks to us through those devotional segments when a minister without any briefing will come and actually send a message to us uh, as decision makers that will be very, very topical for the debates we're about to have. Um, just this week, we had uh, Steve Kennedy um, come along, one of the ministers uh, from Thornlands, and um, he, he sent a message about um, you know picking the fights you need to have. And he referred to scripture through it. And it was only just 24 hours previously. I'd had that conversation directly with another counselor. <laughs> um, and I'm going, you know, this is, it's God speaking to me that we need people outside of our legislative uh, meeting procedures 
to come and share with us that there is this bigger picture. And it's a bigger picture, not just in our local area, but it's it's driven by, by you know, Jesus and God and the stories that have been told for centuries. Well, that is so exciting to hear because when the minister turns up and they're leading prayer, sometimes they might feel like they're going through the motions and uh, they might feel as though the councillors are, in fact, uh, just sort of, you know, biding their time, getting through that, uh, you know, here comes the prayer and then we can get on with the real business. But when you start to tell a story like that and you recognize that when the pastor prays or brings a short devotion, there's actually something prophetic and powerful that's happening. And it's actually something that you gain as a local government authority from the Christian community as they are supporting the work that you do. That's right. And and like I said, it, it's, it's never uh, preconceived. It just happens. And that's just one example. It's happened many, many times. And may I say that this, la- this last Wednesday, we had one of the quickest general meetings as a result of that. <laughs> I can remember in a while. So thank you, Steve. But look... Um, I mean, everyone will take different messages, um, and, and that's okay. But for, certainly for me, um, as I have to, to, I guess, lead that meeting, chair that meeting, um, I can always refer back to what the minister has said to bring people back into where they need to be in that space to make decisions. Karen, we're wanting to talk today about how you shape culture in a community. And interesting for us to be reflecting on the councils of southeast Queensland and recognising too, just briefly, that uh, things can go wrong. And there's been some problems in uh, some of the other councils in southeast Queensland, in Logan and in Ipswich, and some of those uh, issues have made national headlines and even listeners uh, on the other side of the nation might be familiar with those. But there is something that is in the aspiration that when you assume a leadership role and you have a Christian faith, that your idea of flourishing may be a little different to the idea of flourishing that comes from someone who doesn't hold your virtues and values. How do you see the way that, you know, you bring your faith to the table and that there is actually an influence in your community? Well, look, um, I think it's it's walking the talk, really. Um, Look, one of the most important values that um, a leader needs to have um, is humility. And you actually, if, you know, you understand that when you understand Scripture. And for me, uh, I remain a servant. And, and flourishing for me is not about my name being up in lights. It's about my city moving forward, being able to provide um, for our community. And so, therefore, sometimes I need to take a back seat and let other people do that. So it's the, it's the roots that go into the ground that help you flourish. It's not the flower at the top that dies off after however many years or terms of government. So it's what you leave behind. Um, so it's, it really is just um, doing by, leading by what you do, um, showing people that my job isn't just about making decisions. It's about how I live my life. Um, it's about how I encourage community to support community uh, and how I encourage our community to support other communities. So, um, yeah, I think flourishing can have a different definition. Someone might, might want to be the, you know, the tall poppy. It doesn't last for very long, but for me it's actually establishing good roots for the long term. And, of course, you are, as at all levels of government, you're governing for all people, whether they might be of a Christian religious faith or whether they might be of uh, some alternative faith or whether they have no faith at all. You've got to be able to walk that tightrope, that fine line that actually does balance a lot of concerns in there and 
at the same time, you recognise that you don't have to be a shrinking violet and that the values and the faith that you hold personally actually do contribute to the sorts of decisions, sorts of aspirations that you might have for your community. I do want to mention that coming up at the end of August, uh, you are the sponsor of the Redland City Mayoral Prayer Breakfast. So when we talk about ways that as the leader of a city, you have some tremendous influence here. Uh, this is coming up Friday the 30th of August, Alexandra Hills Conference Centre in Alexandra Hills. That's in Redlands City in southeast Queensland. You'll have a special guest speaker, Duncan Armstrong, who all Australians know as a really great uh, champion of the pool, gold medal swimmer from the Seoul Olympics back in 1988. He's going to be your special guest. But what you do with this mayoral prayer breakfast, you've got to focus on chaplaincy in the schools. Chaplaincy is something that's very close to your heart. Look, absolutely. Um, over the time that the, the mayor's mayoral prayer breakfast, even before my time, um, has been a part of our calendar in Redlands, we've raised over $135,000 every year that goes to supporting chaplaincy in all of our schools. And we still don't have a chaplain in every school. So... Um, in my view, we need to up the ante and make sure we can actually provide that as a community. I mean, just today, I, I believe that we might have, you know, seen the circumstance of a young, um, a young child um, committing suicide in our city. Um, it breaks my heart because I'm a mother. Um, it breaks my heart because I have a city where I know we have a lot of caring people. And it breaks my heart because this young person may not have had someone to turn to. I don't even understand how a young person can contemplate taking their own life because um, I've been blessed with good family and good community. So, uh, you know, to me, those small examples of where we're leaving gaps is why as a leader um, we need to continue to raise, raise awareness and make sure we have people in every circumstance for our young people to turn to. The world is so fast. You know, um, we have social media, online bullying, all those sorts of things that weren't part of my life growing up. So it tells me we need to do much, much more than we are currently doing to make up um, for that. So, uh, you know, that's one of the really important causes that I would like to leave um, a legacy for my city in the long term. Um, and I certainly pray for all those people that are impacted by the loss of, uh, tragic loss of a young life, whatever the circumstances might be. You know, all our hearts are broken when we hear of that sort of tragedy. And we are reminded in those tragedies and in all sorts of tragedies that happen within families, that the role of a chaplain in schools, it just intensifies. The value intensifies when you hear of those tragedies, when you hear of them because they're happening today and they weren't happening in generations gone by, just how important it is to have someone who is sensitive, who understands the sense and the heart of the fatherhood of God, who's able to bring a level of comfort and even bringing the power of God to bear into a situation. Those things are very significant. Our special guest today is Councillor Karen Williams. She is the Mayor of the Redlands City Council in South East Queensland. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 
Wonderful to have you with us. We're talking about shaping the culture in our local communities today and our special guest is Councillor Karen Williams. She's the Mayor of the Redlands City Council in Queensland, so open about her own Christian faith and reflective on what that does when the values and virtues that she has been shaped by become the aspiration for the way that she might see the shaping of her community and what a community looks like when it's flourishing. Uh, 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to contribute to our conversation today. Um, uh, Councillor, let me just ask you about that tragedy that you shared just before the break. Uh, you've received news today that a child has committed suicide and your heart is broken, and I know that our hearts, uh, listeners around the nation, will be broken in hearing that sort of story. When you are a person who leads a local authority with the compassion that you have, that is shaped by your values, somebody thought, I need to tell the mayor that this has happened. Some people in some authorities might think, no one would tell me of an incident that happens in a school somewhere. But when they know that your compassion, that your level of leadership is looking to support and care for people like that, there is something significant about the way people perceive your leadership. How do you think of uh, the reason why you've actually even received that message today? Well, look, um, despite the fact that Redlands is you know, a, a relatively large local government area, 160,000 people roughly, 155,000, 160,000 people, um, we do really hold on to our identity as being a strong community. And like any family, uh, you know, when these sorts of things happen, they go to people who A, may have an influence, and B, who, you know, may be able to get the word out to others, uh, C, who may be able to source support, you know, like any leader in any family. So I, I think that's really our, our unique advantage as a, a city in Redlands is that we do have this really strong sense of community and there will be people all over wanting to help wanting to do something, wanting to understand. Um, and that's where, once again, our churches will come and play a huge role, our chaplains in our schools. Um, you know, the first the first thing I mentioned to um, the local council was, well, you need to contact the chaplain because we don't, you know, th- th- there'll be people amongst um, our community that will be impacted by this directly and indirectly. So, look, it, it really is just um, one of those wonderful parts about being the the leader of my city of Redlands. And when you are the leader, oftentimes you'll receive word about something that's going on in your government area and you need to know who you can call on in order to be able to effectively support. Now, when something like that happens, uh, I know that listeners will be impressed to hear that you thought, I think we need to call a chaplain in to be able to support that family going through that. This is where there's a wonderful connection between churches and local government. You don't want to be at loggerheads with churches. You want to work in a complementary way so that you can work together because it's the flourishing of the community you're concerned about. That's right. Look, and, and ever since I've been elected since 2004, um, I personally and my council have had a great, strong relationship with our Ministers, ministers Fellowship. So just yesterday morning, I attended the Ministers Fellowship breakfast. Um, many of our councillors will attend so that we can keep in touch with, with each other and we can talk about these sorts of issues and we can pray for you know, the people in our community that may, may need our prayers or, or perhaps just pray for our community broadly, which is what we do. And we certainly do that at the Mayoral Prayer Breakfast as, as well. Um, so 
you know, I think that relationship is critical. It's certainly for me one of the strengths um, of our city, and it certainly keeps me buoyed in what I do. Um, and I know, I know that many of those pastors and ministers will pray for me every day. Um, and I always think that that makes my life that much easier because imagine if they weren't praying for me. (laughs) When you know that the leaders of the churches have you in their prayers and uh, you experience, as you've said, even something of revelation from God into the decisions that you need to make, uh, that must be a real wind in your sails just knowing that this is a community that's working together. Absolutely. And, you know, um, when I when I look at that big picture, um, I, I thank God for my parents making sure that faith was part of my DNA because that without that, I don't know how you'd actually face the world um, in a leadership role today because that really, if, there, you know, I will always fall back on my faith um, in times of hardness. Um, I will always fall back um, on my faith when I need to thank um the Lord for the great things that we have. We often don't do that enough. And I think, you know, when I think about community sometimes um, and what you see on social media, um, we don't take a lot of time to actually be grateful for the amazing place um, and the amazing gifts that we have and we take for granted on a daily basis. So when you have an initiative like the Mayoral Prayer Breakfast, this is in one sense your once-a-year opportunity to bring everybody together. So you want all of the churches in your local community to to actually make sure that uh, the senior leadership and uh, those who are supportive leadership in the churches are actually there because it's your opportunity to connect and so when a crowd turns up, you feel buoyed in your uh, in your management leadership role. Uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, the churches too, obviously, feel that level of complementarity with your ex- expectations upon them as well. Yeah, look, that's right. Um, it certainly is a big boost of enthusiasm and energy and um, joy that I get uh, in August every year when all of the, not only just the, the churches come together, but we actually do have a lot of our schools come together and the schools participate because um, obviously that's where my focus, um, you know, having been born and, and lived most of my life in Redlands, I, I see these young people as the future of our, of our city um, and I want to make sure that they're exposed to the the faith and the opportunities that come with that faith um, and, and the the, net, uh, the safety net that comes with that faith as they go forward in their life and hopefully um, become our next generation of leaders. Councillor Williams, when we talk about uh, this issue of prayer, let me just, because you mentioned uh, that, you know, there are, there are ministers who come and they open your uh, local council in prayer. And then uh, during the news there, we were having that little discussion, um, does this happen in all local councils? And clearly it might not, but um, it's something that obviously is very, very valuable. Oh, look, um, like I said earlier, sometimes just setting the the environment, the, the emotion in a room, because, you know, we... we we get very caught up in our um, in our agenda and and the debate, and we all have very different views. And my job is to bring those views to some sort of level of compromise. And and how we do that sometimes requires a great deal of um, I guess uh, what's the word uh, understanding of other people around the room and and how you how you deal with each other and the respect that you have to despite having different views um, have to to display. And and so those messages often help that debate, the tone of that debate. 
the outcome of that debate. So um, I am I am interested. I know that you mentioned that Gold Coast opens in prayer and that you played a role in that many years ago. Many years ago, <laughs> yes, that's um, right. And uh, I, because I, I obviously are very focused on, on my own city, I'm not quite sure what happens elsewhere. Um, so I am interested. I know that other mayors, such as Councillor um, Antonio in Toowoomba, um, has a mayoral prayer breakfast that's very, very um, successful. So I, I know that um, many other mayors rely on their relationship with church. To what degree? I'm not quite sure. Um, but certainly, uh, it, while I'm mayor, I, I, I really do value that relationship and will certainly do my best to make sure it goes on. I know that the city of Brisbane has a mayoral prayer breakfast and would love to hear from listeners all over Australia uh, what's happening in Victoria, what's happening in New South Wales, what's happening in South Australia, WA in Tasmania, what's happening in the territories. 1-800-316-316 if you've got some insight into what's happening in your local government. And if you don't know what's happening in your local government, is that something that you might see as a worthy pursuit to see that that happens in your local government? I mean, how do you get your pastor to approach those who are in leadership to be able to make sure that that happens? This sort of thing is becoming perhaps increasingly more important because we are, as we mentioned, Karen, in a very changing environment. And so if you want to have those things that cause a community to flourish, uh, to be embedded in your community, a local government setting is a place for that to happen. I know I can probably, um, you know, speak about a couple of different examples where coming together with church or church coming together with local government has actually increased the the footprint of the great work that happens in our churches. Um, I mentioned Neil Colley, who's a chaplain and a pastor, um, who has had this project in regards to collecting books and taking them to Vanuatu because obviously he visited parts of Vanuatu where they didn't have access um, to books and therefore literacy and particularly young girls in those villages, um, you know, education is the key um, to them being able to progress in life. Um, so he came to me and said, oh, I've got this project. And I said, well, why don't I talk to our libraries? And all of a sudden now this project is, is a citywide project that everyone contributes to and now we fill containers um, and there are a number of schools in other parts of the world that have actually been blessed with the generosity of our community, just thinking about things as a broader city, not just as a church. So um, that's just one example. Um, there are plenty more. I mean, in, in the other space of, um, you know, dealing with people who are impacted in our community, I, I, you know, I believe Redlands is a beautiful place. It's a beautiful community. But despite that, um, we still have the... I guess the scourge of human nature in some ways, you know, domestic and family violence. Um, I have been trying to bring a light to that and work with our community to bring awareness and, and assist people who are in those unfortunate circumstances. So my community over the last five years has raised almost $350,000 and we're now building houses for people in transition out of those um, horrible stages of their life, hopefully, and where they can move on to bigger and better things. So it's all about taking the community and the rest of the world with you uh, and demonstrating how when working together, uh, you, you know, it's tenfold the impact that you make, not twofold, but tenfold. I know that you are a member of numerous community building organisations and you are the patron of uh, almost countless numbers of community groups because in your role you have an opportunity to be a support and an encouragement to those community groups. So when you do your job well, those community groups feel important and they flourish. 
Oh, look, and those community groups um, are the lifeblood of any community, but particularly in my city. Um, you know, we could never we could never fund the work that those community groups, whether it's in sporting organisations, whether it's in your tuck shops, you know, whether it's Meals on Wheels or in, you know, uh, one of the either ageing, um, like Artie Coda, for example, the um, – I'm trying to think of an actual um, a- uh, acronym, but anyway um, – all of those groups, they come together and they do it for nothing because they care about their particular community and the broader community. And so um, if I can empower them in any way, um, whether it just be by what I do or what I say or or by being able to work with them to help them raise funds, um, it makes my community all that, that much wealthier and richer. Uh, love to hear you talk about your special interest when it comes to issues like domestic and family violence because oftentimes we're not thinking of local government as an area that actually does some impacting good work in that area. We're thinking of people who might become counsellors. We often do talk about the work of churches when it comes to the way they're helping marriages to be stronger and families to flourish. But there is a certain sense here when you talk about uh, the uh, issues of domestic violence violence, of family violence, that you can be a catalyst for encouragement for those organisations to be able to take action. Leadership here is even often more powerful than putting in some infrastructure because you can speak into people's lives and you can say what's important in our community is that we want men and women to relate well together. We want families to be able to grow strong together. We don't want to have those issues of violence uh, showing their ugly faces in our communities. The the way that you would speak to those communities actually is very powerful. And look, um, local government and anyone that has been elected uh, into a role of local government will know that we are the closest level of government to the people. And so therefore we have our finger on the pulse and we, we sometimes see things before others um, or we just become that point of contact before others because people are looking for the answers to their questions. Um, And so I think it's incumbent on us as leaders um, not only to uh, pass on those um, concerns to other levels of government but then to start leading the way because we have our own, I guess, individual city characteristics. So for my, my city, for example, it's a city of islands. And um, it's, you know, from one side of the city to the other, they're distinctly different different in their um, demographic and their socioeconomic positioning. Our, our southern Morton Bay Islands have up to 25% unemployment. Um, they don't have great access. So when it comes to domestic and family violence on an island situation compared to the north of Redlands, whether it be Cleveland or Capalabar or Birkdale, they're very different um, circumstances for people to be able to address. It's my job because I have the understanding of the local layout and the local geography to be able to communicate that to other levels of government. So, you know, we actually had one of the highest levels of um, DVOs being reported um, in our magistrate's court, despite the fact that people were just ignoring the fact that domestic and family violence may have been at the level degree of issue that it, it currently was or pre- previously was. Um, it was my job to make sure that we collected that data and demonstrated that um, to other levels of government. Now we do have some coordinated services before then that people had to get from for example, uh, one of the islands, Russell Island, Maclay Island, wherever it might be, they've got a ferry, find a bus, maybe three buses. It could take them three or four hours to get to get help. So, so you facilitate the opportunity for people who find themselves in desperate situations to be able to find the help that they need 
when they need it. And I know you like to keep across these things because you're a member of the Local Government Domestic Family and Sexual Violence Prevention Project Reference Committee. Now, that's a mouthful. Uh, but you've got to be a part of those committees. And the fact that you are a member of that committee just illustrates where your values lie in how you want to bring that particular issue to the fore. Because you understand what's happening in your local community. You say, what can the local council do to help facilitate the help that those people need when they are in that desperate situation? Let's not uh, let's not ignore the fact either that you've mentioned that there are lots of islands in your local government authority area, and uh, I often say that those islands in your area are, uh, are somewhat underrated and not promoted enough. So, let me ask you, as the mayor of Redlands City Council. And for those who uh, might be just joining our conversation, uh, we know that Redlands is between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. And as uh, Mayor Karen has just said, there are a number of islands in her community and some listeners uh, on the uh, uh, more extreme parts of the nation listening to our conversation today might not be so familiar with North Stradbroke Island or Russell Island, Maclay Island, Lamb Island. Karagara Island and Mudlow Island. Uh, Karen, here's your opportunity for, uh, you know, do the hard sell for listeners around Australia. These are beautiful islands and they are a part of your jurisdiction. Uh, give us some insights. Oh, this is my favourite part. Look, um, we, we are, we've branded ourselves Redlands Coast because frankly, we have more coastline than the Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast. Wow. We have, wow. We have over uh, 335 kilometres of coastline in Redlands. Um, and we are, we are wedged between, you know, the Gold Coast, Brisbane, and ultimately, if you go further north, you've got the Sunshine Coast. So we, we have our fair share of coastline, which is great. Um, and these islands, you put them anywhere else in the world, they're 35 kilometres away from the third largest city, as a crow flies, uh, in Australia, yep, yep. Um, on beautiful Moreton Bay. And, and if you're asking me about, uh, you know, the value of Moreton Bay, well, I think it's a great competitor to the Great Barrier Reef. We have all the things the Great Barrier Reef offers, um, but we're close to, you know, a number of international airports as well. So, um, and, and beyond that, um, I always say our biggest attractor in our city is when you, when you drive into Redlands, um, you will feel like you're part of the family because we still have that sense of community. So, um, we, we are quite unique and I would suggest that we're probably unique to all of Australia. The fact that we have over 10,000 people living on um, islands in our city, uh, this close to a major city. Um, we also have one of the world's oldest cultures uh, on North Stradbroke Island, Manjeribar, the Kwandamuka people. So, uh, you know, we celebrate our, our First Nation history and, and we have a, a very good relationship with Kwandamuka. In fact, we're probably the first metropolitan council in Australia to have an Indigenous land use agreement. Um, and, you know, like any relationship and, and um, marriage, that we work through those issues. It's not always easy, but it's certainly of great value to the city to make us distinctly different from the rest of southeast Queensland. Um, and so for those of you who haven't visited North Stradbroke Island, and when I travel the country, I've got to say, if people recognise any island, they'll, they'll probably recognise Stradi. It's the second largest sand island in the world. Um, and, you know, predominantly national park. Uh, you can go there and you can experience culture that goes back tens of thousands of years. Um, it really is quite unique. And currently they're having a, a Kwandamuka festival that um, will end with a Kunjil in a couple of weeks' time and probably about a month's time. Um, it really is a, a unique place in Australia and we haven't really been discovered quite yet. Um, so you should get in early. Well, I haven't been there for a while, but I have been to North Stradbroke Island and Point Lookout and the beautiful 
beaches and the seascape, the landscape uh, of North Stradbroke Island. And so for listeners who might be picturing the beauty of the beaches on the Gold Coast, uh, which is one of our tourist meccas, uh, well, you've got those beautiful beaches, but in an undisturbed way because there hasn't been the sort of development that's overtaken some of the big tourist centres. And you really have uh, the caretakership of what really is a jewel in the crown because uh, North Stradbroke Island, absolutely beautiful. And people can holiday there, can't they? Oh, absolutely. It's a, a huge tourist destination, and particularly at this time of year. Um, it's the only place you can stand on land and see the whales migrating. Um, and they call it Yalangbilla. It's the... the uh, Jandai name for whale, um, and then have just started doing um, cruises, whale cruises from Raby Bay at Cleveland um, out to past North Stradbroke Island so that you can have a whale watching experience. Um, so close to Brisbane, it really is quite untapped. Um, I'd encourage anyone that's in southeast Queensland to uh, get online and check out about the Quandamooka's new whale watching because not only is it about whale watching, they'll give you that cultural experience on the way out as well. Uh, we've been uh, opening the talkback lines, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Anne in Labrador in Queensland. Hello, Anne. Welcome along. Yeah. Um, I just want to say I used to have a holiday uh, when I was a little girl on Coochie Mudlow. So I know <laughs> it's quite different now when I was younger, but it was so great to be able to depart. And I used to go to Victoria Point a lot of times. So I used to live in Wynnum, so it used to be fairly close to where I live. My question is, um, I'm putting a little spanner in your thing. Um, I notice that sometimes the councillors, um, they put up their, um, um, their oh, oh, not their rates, the, um, their, their rates. The, no, not the rates, the money that they pay themselves, you know, oh. um, personally. Okay, well, let me, oh, that, that's a great yeah. question, and I love answering that one. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to say, I just want to say, instead of doing that, maybe they should put it into somewhere to help other people who may be struggling, you know, in the area. Uh, good thoughts there. Uh, let's get a response here. Yeah. Anne? Well, firstly, I'll, I'll deal with your, your question on in regards to um, uh, payment for councillors, their uh, remuneration. That's not set by councillors. Um, that's actually set by a, a tribunal that's set by the state government. Um, and they basically decide every year what the increase would be. Um, look, I, look, I'm, I, without trying to um, espouse the value of councillors, um, some councillors actually work very, very hard, um, and they work very long hours. And uh, some would say that, you know, um, if you want to have good people in the job, you've got to offer them suitable remuneration. I appreciate not everyone's going to agree with that. But can, if I can just say that that's set by the state, um, and we don't have any, we don't actually vote for our own, um, pay increases or the like. Can I just talk about Coochie Mudlow though? Because uh, I too used to have my uh, family holiday on Coochie Mudlow. In fact, we would go there on, um, we, I have a German background, so we celebrated Christmas Eve and every Christmas day we would go to Coochie Mudlow and every New Year's Day we would go to Coochie Mudlow. And frankly, it hasn't actually changed a lot. Um, it's the Emerald Isle. It's got a beautiful emerald fringe all around it. Also has a great history. Just there a couple of weeks ago where they, um, they reenacted the landing of Matthew Flinders, um, and uh, it's a big, a big festival they have every year, and it's a lovely little community, and it's also one of the special islands. Every island in our city uh, has its distinct character um, and its little calling card. And Coochie Mudlow, the Emerald Fringe, um, it's a five-minute trip from Victoria Point. It's um, on, on a ferry. It's really beautiful, and it hasn't changed except we do have a new jetty. Five minutes on a ferry. Thank you so much to Anne in Labrador for your contribution. Let's hear from Mel in Brisbane. Hello, Mel. Welcome along. 
Uh, yes, good morning all and good morning listeners. Um, I was uh, listening to uh, what the uh, Mayor's been doing and applaud her work in the area of domestic and family violence and uh, that's been an area I've been advocating for for a very, very long time. There's still a major gap and that's in um, financial abuse and there's not enough um, resources and support um, for people who have been affected by financial abuse that when they've out of those um, dysfunctional relationships to rebuild their financial capacity, whether that's um, re-entering the workforce or starting up a new business. So I would encourage um, our guest speaker to um, really explore that area as well and um, and be determined to also get resources in that area, please. Mel, a good thought there. And, of course, uh, financial abuse. I mean, there are obviously challenges in how you deal with every different case scenario, and sometimes both men and women are affected by that in different dysfunctional relationships. But there is something there, Karen, that uh, the encouragement to say, hey, what are our our civic leaders doing to address some of these sorts of things? Look, it's um, it's timely because only just a couple of weeks ago I was at an event, um, Redlands Community Centre, and, and a lady contacted me afterwards and, and basically um, told me the same, a similar sort of story about financial abuse. Um, three years ago, four years ago, uh, five years ago maybe now, um, our city didn't have anyone that they our, our residents could go to to get this sort of advice. So we have now have a coordinated service that's run by Centre for Women, used to be called WAVES, that was also present in Logan, um, and they certainly will offer advice and assistance and also the uh, w- women's legal aid as well, legal services. I've, the best thing is that, I, I mean, certainly at local government level, we, we don't really have our the the levers in that space, but we certainly have the contacts and through through these other coordinated services which are funded by the state. So, for any of those people out there who can find a coordinated service, and most regional areas will have one, that would be a good place to start. Or perhaps go to your uh, women's legal services because they often can assist as well. Particularly if you're talking about you know um, an, a, a house that you've got to sell and you've got to work work your way forward once um, you know those settlements all happen. And wonderful to appreciate that if you do find yourself in desperate needs, desperate situations, uh, dysfunctions overtaken in an overwhelming way, uh, that while sometimes you'll find help there and encouragement through your local church, you might find some practical help when it comes to asking your local councillor. And uh, you might know of the background, you might know something of your local councillor, worth asking that question because they are there to help. We have run out of time. Uh, just to reflect one Facebook comment from Susan who says, listening to Mayor Karen Williams on Vision, know how blessed we are in this city to have a Christian mayor who puts her faith out there. Uh, so it's a nice compliment to you, Karen Williams. Uh, Karen Williams, the mayor of the Redlands City Council in Queensland. And I do want to give one more quick mention to the Redland City Mayoral Prayer Breakfast. It's on the 30th of August at Alexandra Hills Conference Centre. The guest speaker is going to be Duncan Armstrong, gold medal swimmer from the Seoul Olympics back in 1988. 
entertaining and uh, informative character is uh, is uh, the special guest speaker, Duncan Armstrong. Uh, Mayor Karen Williams, thank you so much for taking some time today to share your thoughts, to share your heart with us, uh, to be so open about your Christian faith and what it takes to shape a community's culture. Thanks for being with us today on 2020. Oh, pleasure as always. Can I just say thank you uh, to Vision for continuing to support the Merrill Prayer Breakfast, to get the word out there, um, and we, we we receive all those prayers on on from the rest of the community across the world, across the sorry across the country, um, in supporting us being Christians in our leadership roles. And as we do support that, uh, we want to support Merrill Prayer Breakfasts wherever they might be happening right around the nation. And if you don't have one in your community, ask a local councillor to get one happening. Uh, thank you so much to Mayor Karen Williams. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.